everybody. Happy Monday. It is a Monday once again here at Soundcast FM. This is Sports Social with Ed Easton. We are live once again from Brooklyn, New York. Another wild weekend in the world of sports, I would say. Everything from the Masters to boxing, the NBA, baseball, it's a lot going on. So with that being said, it's almost hard to really put things in perspective in terms of what had the most importance over the weekend. I'm going to just be honest with you. I know a lot of people may not find this the most attractive pick of terms of what was the big story. I'm going to go with the Masters. The Masters was a huge story just for the simple fact that you had, in my opinion, the favorite Jordan Spieth, you know, he had it pretty much right there in front of him to take home a green jacket. And then the 12th hole just came up at it. It seems like it surprised him along with the way it surprised the rest of us. Jordan had a uh, one of those monumental collapses on the 12th hole. And it cost him basically the uh, it cost him the entire tournament. So we're definitely going to dive deep into that and figure out what's next and how do you how does that even happen? And it's only best that I have an expert speak on it. So I'm going to have uh, Mr. Ryan Bellingy. He's going to call in. He's the creator and owner of Golf News Net and a writer for Yahoo Sports. And he was following the Masters all weekend, definitely tweeting out a lot of great stuff as well as the articles he was posting on Yahoo. So we're definitely going to talk to him regarding that. And of course, you know, a lot of people that are casual golf watchers, they the, one of the big names they noticed that weren't there was Tiger Woods. And because of his injury situation, we don't know when we're going to get Tiger Woods back. So still, Masters made a lot of buzz the entire weekend. I believe it was the last one for Tom Watson. So we're definitely going to discuss that as well. NBA. I don't know if you guys realize, but the uh, Golden State Warriors did a pretty big thing. And you're probably going to look at me like I'm crazy because I said the Masters said golf was a bigger story this weekend than a team tying the Chicago Bulls for the most wins in NBA history during the regular season. The Warriors picked up the 72nd win of the season in a more improbable way because they beat the San Antonio Spurs, who were undefeated at the time at home. And they were facing, they were kind of trying to get their own type of history going. But uh, they came up short yesterday. So now there only remains one game. The Memphis Grizzlies. The beat up Memphis Grizzlies that still play hard, mind you. They don't really have much to play for, I don't think so. We gotta, we're gonna definitely discuss that. But they will have the opportunity to stop the Warriors from becoming the all-time greatest regular season team in NBA history. Stop them from getting that infamous 73rd win. Now, we're still going to get the debates. We're still going to have people act Scottie Pippen and, and Judd Bushler and all those other great Chicago Bull players. I said Judd Bushler, right? Okay, I just want to make sure. 
they're gonna keep asking them, well, are you guys still the, the greatest team of all time? You know what? I would think so. I still think the Bulls are a better team just because of the style they played and the different era they played in. But I'm not gonna sleep on the Warriors. But if you ask me today, just based off what I see, especially in the last couple of weeks or so and the way the Warriors were uh, handling teams, I think the Bulls would have done a, probably a little bit better. The, that, that prime Bulls team, that 95-96 team. Jordan's a different type of player than Curry. You had Pippen in his prime. And you had Dennis Rodman. Some things you gotta think about. Now, once again, that 73rd win would be huge. And it's this Wednesday, that is the game, the final game of the season for them. How fitting that is gonna be in Golden State. So there's so much pressure to win this game. They had no time to rest their players. I don't know if that's gonna hurt them coming into the playoffs. It should be interesting. I mean, you're talking about a team that has all of this momentum now. Are they going to play as hard as they can? Because, you know, Memphis always plays hard. They're going to they're gonna make it a little difficult. I still think they get the 73rd win. But the bigger question would be going into the playoffs... Are they still a better team? Because I still feel like even though they beat San Antonio three times this season, I like San Antonio in a seven-game series. That's just my honest opinion. I mean, San Antonio is one of those teams that the way they play defense, they take away a lot of your strengths. I'm going to have NBA writer Josh Eberly call in in the second hour we're gonna definitely discuss that along with kobe bryant's last game which got pushed to espn2 oh lord it was it was such a huge story but it broke on twitter that they were gonna bump the laker game to espn2 which is kobe's final game and put on espn the the warriors attempt at the 73rd win so we're definitely gonna debate what was more what's more important at the end of the day i think it's the wins I love Kobe Bryant, but I, I don't think having a game where, a guy, you know, the team is terrible. Let's be honest, the Lakers are a terrible basketball team. They just are. So it looks like it looks like it's going to be tough. I don't know exactly what to say in regards to you know, what people like and what people appreciate. But I do know that the Lakers have a situation there that they can really make things happen. And they have a young team. I get it. They're young. But you're not going to get showcased on ESPN and ESPN. It doesn't, it doesn't really matter at the end of the day if it's ESPN and ESPN too. I just thought winning matters more. I understand Kobe Bryant is his last game ever. We're going to be worried about him, etc., etc. I get it. Trust me, I do. But hey, things happen. Things happen. So, definitely going to discuss that with Josh. 
Also, boxing match this weekend. Manny Pacquiao picked up the win. Uh, it wasn't, let's be honest, who really cared about Manny Pacquiao versus Timothy Bradley 3? Who cared? Everybody knows a lot of the money was lost when Pacquiao came out of his face and talked about his views on homosexuality and it definitely put a real damper on the promotion of this fight that a lot of people forgot that it was happening this past Saturday. So what Pacquiao is maybe his last fight. He lost so much steam after the way he choked against Floyd Mayweather. He choked. Let's call it what it is. He did. You had your chance at the top guy, the guy to beat, so you could talk all that talk you want to, and you didn't get it done. And that's the bigger thing at the end of the day. Not being able to get the job done when it mattered. And like I said, I'm a big, uh, I, I like boxing. I'm not as big a fan as many people. Pacquiao retires. Bradley, I don't know what he does with his career. You got Triple G. You got some fighters, but you know, do you have that marquee name? I think that's the, the thing everybody's looking for. I mean, Broner's still around. Let's, let's put it in perspective. Broner is still around. And he's, I heard he's challenging Mayweather. I don't know if it's true or not. It just sounds like he wants to get paid to me, which is usually the case when you try to challenge a guy you have no chance of beating. Mayweather, I don't see the point of him coming out of retirement. Is number 50 that important? Probably, from a legacy standpoint. But I just don't see him getting it done. But we'll see. We'll definitely see. All I know is I didn't watch the fight, and I know that Pacquiao won. That's boxing. That's really what it is. It's not about the belts. I think Pacquiao won a belt in the process. But does anybody really sit down and say, you know what, I, I hope they get that belt. They care more about WWE belts than we do the boxing belts. Let's put it in perspective. The WBC, you know, all of that. It, no one cares. They want to see this guy take on this guy at this time. And that's all that matters. It's all about matchups. You throw the belts out the window. It doesn't matter. So it's a scary time for boxing in terms of the future of who's going to be the next guy up. The heavyweights are actually doing more, in my opinion, to hype things up with Wilder and, you know, it's, I don't know. It's it's going to be interesting. You know, you got the guy Tyson, not that Tyson, but a different type of Tyson, uh, jumping in there and, and really getting people excited again. I don't know. I'm really, I'm, I'm curious to see how they handle this and how things will go. But we'll see. Once again, call me up, 516-900-2278. you have any uh, things you want to bring up in sports or even some thoughts of the topics I just brought up, we're definitely going to continue talking some baseball as well. 
couple of games which I didn't understand this. I'm not. Look, I played baseball when it's cold too, but I think there's about four, three or four games that were postponed because of cold weather. Not like rain or not, you know, snow. I'm talking about it's too cold to play baseball. That confuses me. I mean, they play in October when it's freezing cold at times. So, of course, you have that spring weather where it's not quite warm yet. It kind of bounces back and forth. But because it's cold, you're getting paid $200 million and you won't play because it's cold outside. Not because it's raining, but because it's cold outside. I just saw that and I thought that was ridiculous and it doesn't make any sense. Let's put it in perspective, guys. It's baseball. You go out there. I understand you're the boys of summer, but you get paid $200 million, some of you guys, to play baseball. Go out there and play baseball. That's that's what it is. Some fans are still going to show up in the freezing cold, mind you, just to see a game. I was a little surprised. A little surprised about that. I, I don't know. Maybe it's just me. Maybe it's because it's Monday. You got the case of the Mondays already. But it's okay. I was actually watching this movie the other day. It's a classic movie, in my opinion. And they're actually doing another version of it. The, uh, not really the, the, it's still a remake version, but it's like part two of it. But in my eyes, I will always consider this the, uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, you know, second movie. I understand they got another one coming out that's a sequel to the reboot. But, uh, this song pretty much sums up that movie. Just want to put that out there. This is Sports Social Eddie. Still be right back. Yo, it's the green machine. Gonna rock the town without being seen. Have you ever seen a turtle get down? Slamming and jamming to the new swing sound. Yeah, everybody let's move. Vanilla is filled with a new jack. Gonna rock and roll the place with the power of the ninja turtle base. Iceman, you know I'm not playing. Devastate the show what the turtles are saying. Ninja, ninja, rap, ninja, ninja, rap 
They sent me a, a you know. A and we're back, Sports Social with Eddie Easton. Hey, what's wrong with a little Ninja Rap, Vanilla Ice? I know he's somewhere listening to it as well. A little throwback there. Once again, numbers five one six nine zero zero two two seven eight. And I'm still thinking about what I was talking about with in regards to the whole like players can't play when it's too cold thing. That bothers me. I just I just feel like if 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 you still have fans willing to show up and be at these games in the freezing cold, I saw a lot of people, especially at City Field, for the uh, the home opener for the for the Mets, freezing out there. But it didn't matter. They were, they were going to see their team. I didn't understand how some places, I think Cleveland, they uh, canceled the game because it was too cold. It just doesn't make sense. You got to play. Wear extra gloves. I saw guys with hoodies out there under under their uniforms. It's okay. You got to play. Unless it's rain or something that's obstructing the game. I understand, but come on now. It's it's just because it's cold. That's uh, To me, that's not an excuse. I, I don't know what some people would agree to, but that's not an excuse at all. It being too cold cannot keep people off the field. It, it just doesn't make any sense. And I saw some games, obviously, the, the, it was like 30 degrees for the Yankee game against the Astros. People still will show up because it's opening day, opening week. People are going to show up. They love baseball. This is what it's about. But uh, it's, I think it's going to be the new thing now. When it gets too cold, they're just not going to play games. Just makes sense for them. So uh, that game, those games will be postponed. They're going to be played later date. The Yankee game last night was postponed. That was going to be for Sunday Night Baseball, Yankees and Tigers. That was also inclement weather. But that's expected. Rain and, and probably some snow someplace in Chicago was snowing. And it's it's gotten to that, like to that point already. I mean, you're gonna get that type of weather regardless, or a week into the season. Mother Nature moves at its own pace. That's it. Not everybody's gonna be able to play in a dome or you know have perfect situations or perfect type of weather all the time. It's just not gonna happen. The one thing I hope for is, especially for for the team like the Miami Marlins. I believe they have a retractable roof. If you know it rains a lot, just have the roof ready. I remember last year around this time, they they had to literally postpone games because of rain. And I'm like, you have the roof. I get it takes a while to set up and, you know, get moving, but use the roof. Just use it. Why pay all that money to have this retractable roof and not use it? Uh, some people want to see the sun and all. Listen, you want to play the game, all right? You're postponing a game, especially at your home field, for no reason. That to me is is just ridiculous. We got a game underway right now. In the first inning, Justin Verlander and the Tigers take on Pittsburgh. Already another early interleague game. Pittsburgh's up one nothing in that one. Verlander hasn't been the same. He's not the same guy. I remember two or maybe three years ago that you couldn't touch. I'm not gonna say because he's with a supermodel. 
Nothing to do with Kate Upton. Nothing to do with that. That's their business. Because some people like to throw it out there. But uh, he hasn't been the same. The injuries have gotten to him. Just his dominant stuff that we're used to. It's kind of disappeared a bit. So that game is, like I said, underway. Uh, just going through a couple of the standings and see what a lot of people are looking at here. Orioles currently early in the East. They're undefeated 5-0. The Baltimore Orioles followed by the Red Sox and Yankees both at 3-2 apiece. You got Toronto at 3-4 and, and Tampa Bay at 2-4. That's in the AL East. In the AL Central, Kansas City leads, leads it with a 4-1 record. Followed by Detroit 3-1, Chicago at 4-2, Cleveland 2-2, two and, two, and Minnesota still looking for that first win at 0-6. And let me let me point something else about Minnesota, which I'm a little surprised with. The decline of uh, Joe Maurer. That's something I didn't expect. At least as, as quickly as it's happening. I remember when he was first coming up and how he was the huge prospect, the next great catcher, as they always said. Could hit for average. You know, I, I believe he was an MVP one year. And now he's been moved to first base because they said he's a now he's a subpar catcher. Got you know have a problem staying healthy again. And he's just not the same player. It, it's just interesting to me how a guy can go from such prominence to to just having problem after problem, keep holding him back. And like I said, uh, he's a, one of those great players that I remember before as a Yankee fan, I was like, man, I wish we had Joe Maurer because I knew Posada was getting older and everything, but. Now the guy can't even catch anymore, so a lot to be said about that. In the AL West, we got Oakland four and three. They lead that division. Texas three and four. Houston at two and four. The uh, LA Angels of Anaheim, yeah, two and four right now, as well as Seattle also at two and four. And uh, for Seattle, just want to point out Robinson Cano is starting to tear it up early. Which is a good thing for him. I actually feel good about him, even though he's a he's an ex-Yankee. Went for the money. I get it. You know, you gotta do what you gotta do. Guy has four home runs. He's second in the league in all of baseball with four home runs. Him and Josh Donaldson are tied for that for second place. He's one of those players that, in my opinion, is still the best second baseman in baseball. You could you could argue with me on that. I just how I feel, regardless of what team he plays for. He plays steady in the infield. Not going to say gold glove caliber, but still good enough. And the guy can hit. When he's hot, he's very hot. I remember him with that as a Yankee. And like that's one of those things that he does bring to the team. And um, I feel like that's what makes him one of the, the, the top players, stellar players out there in baseball. All right, now we move over to the National League in the East. The Washington Nationals lead three, three wins to one. You got uh, three wins to one loss. I don't know what, what I'm talking like right now. But uh, the Mets are in second place with uh, two up, three down. You got Philadelphia two up and four down. Philadelphia actually took that series against the Mets, won two out of three games. And I know a lot of Mets fans are probably looking around like, what happened? You didn't get great starts from Bartolo Colon or uh, Matt Harvey, but at the same time, you got no offense. Cespedes was finally able to get on the board with a home run yesterday. And, you know, you want to see more out of them. But uh, for the team that I feel like is stacked, and I'm not going to, look, I'm not going to go crazy over the uh, games, like the first five games of the year. I'm not going to go crazy over it. 
But uh, Philadelphia should not have two wins right now. Let's be honest. They're not a good baseball team. They're just not good. You got Ryan Howard, who's paid way too much for a guy who could barely hit right-handers. He's kind of like the uh, Pedro Serrano of uh, Major League Baseball right now. And if you don't know who Pedro Serrano is, you, you rent the movie Major League and you'll understand. He can hit the balls when they're straight, but he can't hit, he can't hit curveballs, can't hit sliders. And he can only hit off a right-handed pitching. That is Ryan Howard to the fullest. All that money Philadelphia gave up for him, he's kind of like the reason why Philly's saying just let's just play out his contract because nobody else wants that. Unless the team gets desperate, they'll grab Ryan Howard. Miami's 1-3. And, and you got Atlanta, the other winless team in all of baseball at 0-5. It's funny how to see Atlanta, the fall from grace this team has taken just for so many years how good they were i mean you know i'm, I'm obviously i'm taking it back to like the 90s with glavin with smoltz with maddox they were just such a stacked team for so long under bobby cox the uh the andrew jones of the world the chipper jones of the world to see them struggle now, I understand as a Mets fan, you're loving it because, you, you know, all those years you hated Atlanta. To see them struggle, it's something different. It's something, even though it's five games in, they struggled a lot last year. Just the mighty have fallen. And for them, it's like there's no, I, I don't see the the uh, the parachute, per se, in order to save their, their season already after five games. But who knows? It's early very early let's not get too carried away central division you got the chicago cubs at five and one they just lost their outfielder they lost schwarber for the year he uh let's be honest the guy was never an outfielder he's a catcher that they try to force to make an outfielder so they could have another bat in the lineup and, and i get that i get that but uh it came back to haunt them because he got into the collision just not being comfortable with the position the guy, at first, they, they, they called it a sprained ankle. That was the original diagnosis. Then after further review, they realized, hey, maybe that's not his ankle. Maybe that's his ACL slash LCL. Like, how do you miss that? How, does, how do you miss that? How do you go from being a sprained ankle to a torn ACL? I mean, are we serious right now? I just, it's funny how you hear, especially, I, I'm not calling out doctors, but at the same time, it's like, how do you miss that? How do you miss those type of situations? You got everybody thinking, oh, especially in, um, I hate to have to bring a fantasy into it, but people with fantasy teams, they're all like, okay, you know what? He has just a sprained ankle, put him on the bench, be back in 15 days. No, he's out for the season. Now you got to make another move. It's rough. This is me. This is me pouring my heart out for all the other fantasy baseball players out there. And I, and I know a lot of you guys can't play DraftKings. You can't play FanDuel in New York because of the ruling. But for everyone else out there listening, I understand your pain. So uh, Schwarber's out. Cubs are going to be making some more moves, it looks like. But they're currently 5-1. and one. They still got, you know, they still got a good team. I mean, they're, they're already they're hitting it better than any team out there i just love the way they're set up i could see them like i said as being a world series contender 
but it's still early. How about the surprise? Cincinnati Reds, 5-1. Cincinnati Reds are 5-1. It, it's, it, it's incredible because they were so bad last year. But uh, it's it's got to feel good to see a team just jump back into it and really really make things happen. You got Pittsburgh at 4-2. and two. They, Like I said, their game is currently underway. Uh, Milwaukee's 3-3 three and three and St. Louis 3-3. Three three. Division's looking good for the uh, NL Central. NL West, you got San Francisco at 5-2. and two. LA Dodgers at 4-3. and three. Colorado 3-3. Three and three. San Diego 2-4. and four. Arizona at 2-5. and five. Now, I want to take a quick look at the Dodgers because there was an interesting situation. And, and I say interesting because this was this past Friday. You had the Dodgers taking on their arch rivals, the San Francisco Giants. Dave Roberts is the new manager for the uh, Dodgers. He took over for Don Manningly. And already, he's he's gotten my worst manager of the month or year award. It, it, it's it, it's just ridiculous the move he made. You had a guy. Now, I, I listen. I understand he was coming off of Tommy John surgery, and you're not too sure about him. But uh, this guy's stripling. He he just comes up, gives you seven and a third innings of no hit ball. No hit ball. And then you take him out. I, I look, I get it. He, this, the Tommy John surgery scares you. I get it. But it's it's ridiculous to take out a guy when he's he's just mowing through everybody like that. I just find that to be amazing that you would take a guy out when he's hot like that. Sometimes you gotta, you gotta throw away the whole, you know, oh, well, we could do this, we're doing that. No, it's, you throw away the game plan, you live in the moment. It's not just for you, it's for the guy that's pitching and for the rest of the team to show the confidence that you have in them. And I think that's the biggest thing. You can't mess with a guy's confidence when he's going like that and pull him out because you're not, you're worried about him going over 100 pitches. It was such a dumb move. I, I I can't. It cost them the game. The Dodgers won three to two because the next guy he brought in blew the save. It's it's silly. It's just really silly to me. It, you can't do that. You lose the team early in that process. And to his credit, I guess Dave Roberts took his frustration out on the umpire. Jeff Kellogg, and he got thrown out in the eighth inning. But I, I just found that to be the dumbest situation of the week. I'm gonna call it out right now. If Dave Roberts, you're supposed to be the solution to the problems that they were having in regards to managing the team and and making sound decisions, then you've already got off to a, a horrible start. Point blank period. You just don't do that. Any level of baseball. I'm sorry. Any level. You don't do it. But hey. It's early, right? That's the excuse. It's early. So we're going to let him live. Let him make the mistake again later. But that just, that's just bad 
bad decision making, period. Once again, still taking your calls, 516-900-2278, at Ed Easton Jr. on Twitter. Now, I do want to give a, uh, a quick shout-out. This is actually not even that much sports-related, but y- you got to acknowledge it because I felt like not only was the group great, the movie was great, the music was was great. Shout-out to uh, NWA for getting inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame this past weekend. I just thought that was really cool that they finally got in. Obviously, the movie brought even more light to their story, and they obviously won an award yesterday for the MTV Movie Awards. I know it's not the Oscars, but it just shows that people appreciated the work that was done in that movie as well as the artists that made this happen. So, uh, once again, that's just a shout-out to them. And uh, it's only right that we uh, play a little bit of um, N.W.A., in honor of the fact that they were inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. We'll be right back. You're listening to Sports Social with Ed Easton here on Southcast FM. You are now about to witness the strength of street knowledge.
Easy is his name and the boys coming. Straight out of Compton. It's a brother that don't fuck your mother. And make your sister think I love her. Dangerous. Young brother raises hell. And if I ever get caught, I make bail. See, I don't really care. That's the problem. When I see a police, I don't dodge him. But I'm smart. Lay low. Free for a while. And when I see the punk pass, I smile. To me, it's kind of funny. The attitude showing such is driving. But don't know where the hell they going. Just rolling. Looking for the one that called Easy. But here's the flag. goes in the city of Compton, boy. There you go. Once again, I was straight out of Compton by NWA. Congratulations to them for getting inducted to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame this past weekend. You're listening to Sports Social here with Ed Easton. Once again, that number is 516-900-2278 here on Soundcast FM. Now, just to let everybody understand what happened in regards to just the things going on in not only we talk about all sports all the time, but just some of the other like trending topics that are going on. And if you're not understanding what I'm saying, I'm going to explain. There are some sports that some people may not talk about as often. And I think it's important to at least bring up because there are some great matchups going on, and I'm only going to touch briefly on this because I'm going to have a uh, an expert give his opinion later on in the week. But um, we got the Stanley Cup playoffs that are going to be starting this Wednesday. And you got some great matchups. You know, the uh, New York Rangers taking on the Penguins in the first round. That's going to be a lot of fun for everybody that is a hockey fan. You got the Rangers with Lundqvist with... Um, with stalls, with, um, you know, just with Nash. They have so much going on this year. And they may not be as strong, and it may not have been as easy as they did last year going through the regular season. But I feel like this team has a lot more character. They're a lot tougher. They actually can score more goals than they have been in the past. And I feel like they're a better equipped team. Now, they got a tough challenge going against the Pittsburgh Penguins. Of course, you know, with Sid the Kid on that team. That guy is, um, the, he's, I don't know, I'm not going to call him the best player. I feel like Patrick Kane is still the best player in hockey by far. But uh, he's up there. If you talk about just guys that could do a lot of things with assists, with, you know, scoring goals um, from blue line to blue line, the guy just really makes things happen. And having him, you know, in another matchup against the Rangers, the Rangers won that series last year with these two teams squared off. So uh, I'm really curious to see how it's going to go. Is it going to be a seven-game series? A lot of people are calling it a seven-game series. And a lot of people are giving the edge to Pittsburgh. So Ranger fans out there, you got to be ready. Rangers for the first time actually have to make sure they score goals. Lundqvist, as great as he's been in the playoffs over the last, I feel like, decade, 
he, he needs help. You can't always rely on a one nothing win all the time. You can't always rely on Lugquist being the guy that pulls you out, you know, pulls you out of the fire. It just doesn't work that way. I'm, I'm looking forward to a lot more scoring. They're not going to have McDonough. McDonough got injured, I believe, about two or three games ago. And that's the captain of the Rangers. Not having him is going to be tough, especially for the first round against a Pittsburgh team. That's why a lot of people are taking Pittsburgh in the series, even though the Rangers are the higher seed. It's going to be a, a lot on Lundquist. The guy is going to have to play lights out. And he's done it so many times that it's almost expected. But uh, hopefully if they get McDonough, if they get McDonough back by the end of the series, you got to like the Rangers' chances. He's a very important player, and uh, to keep Sidney Crosby in check would be a big deal. How about the Red Wings? They qualified on the second-to-last day of the regular season for the 25th straight season. They are in the playoffs. The uh, Detroit Red Wings just got in. So uh, that's incredible. 25 straight years in the playoffs. That's domination. I mean, regardless if you win the title or not, you make the playoffs 25 years in a row. It's a lot to be said about it. So uh, definitely, you know, you got to look out for, I'm not really going to say look out for a team like Detroit. They're going to be going against Tampa Bay. And uh, Tampa Bay has been hit with so many injuries. I mean, my goodness. To see what they can do, you know, against a team like Detroit is going to be interesting because Detroit is playing very inspired hockey. Um, you know, Callahan is the guy for t for um, Tampa Bay. Can he carry this team to hopefully get back to the Stanley Cup Finals? We don't know. It's going to be interesting to watch. Another good matchup in the East. You got Florida taking on the Islanders. A lot of people are mixed feelings on this. I mean, the Islanders match up well against Florida, but uh, the Panthers are the favorites by a lot of teams, by a lot of um, experts, I should say. Yarmi Yager... And it doesn't matter how old he is, whether this is last year or not, is still one of the best players in hockey, which is hilarious to me. That the guy, doesn't matter how old he gets, he's like a legend on the ice, and they can't do anything with him. So uh, he's going to have to be the main focal point if you're the Islanders, as well as getting Tavares off to make sure he gets good shots. And it's it's going to be an interesting matchup. Islanders, you're going to have playoff action in Barclays Center in Madison Square Garden this year. It's just that it's going to be ice, not a basketball court. So, something to look forward to. It's going to be some fun games in Barclays for the Islander games because um, their crowd, I don't know if anybody's ever watched an Islander game. They actually do the old uh, Daniel Bryan yes chant after goals. That is the thing now. That's, that's what they do, the New York Islander fans. They are big on doing the yes chant, made famous by Daniel Bryan, who just retired from WWE. So... That's something if you want to watch for that. The ambiance of the whole thing. Playoff hockey is fun hockey. I used to only watch playoff hockey, but I've been watching a little more of the regular season. And uh, I'm really looking forward to this postseason. It's going to be a lot of fun. The uh, favorite to win the whole thing are the Washington Capitals. They were just dominant the entire season. Ovechkin and that whole front line, they're just, they, they're just tough. They know what they're doing out there. They made adjustments from last year. And everybody's picking them probably to win the cup this year. They have their matchup against Philadelphia, who got hot at the right time, pretty much stealing a playoff spot away from the Boston Bruins, who fell apart at the end of the year. It's one of those situations where a team gets hot and another team gets cold, going for that last spot. And now, somehow, some way, the uh, Philadelphia Flyers 
are now in the playoffs this year. So not a lot of Philly fans are excited about that. It's good to see Philly's picking up some wins now. How about that? It isn't just, you know, winning in college basketball with Villanova. Now you got your uh, beloved Flyers in the Stanley Cup playoffs. They're probably going to get swept. I'm, I'm having them getting swept. I, I don't know what anybody else thinks about that. But I feel like Washington is such a good team. Granted, the last time they played was about two or three weeks ago. And uh, Philadelphia won in the shootout. So it's it's going to be interesting to see what they do. Philadelphia has been hot. They want to win this year, as every team wants to win, I should say. But, I mean, they just they seem like they're just a different team they were at the beginning of the season. Some other matchups in the Western Conference. You got Dallas taking on Minnesota. Everybody's taking Dallas in that one. Dallas is a very good team. They have uh, picked up some great, some really quality wins. Uh, I believe they're the top seed in the Western Conference. So Minnesota is going to be in a lot of trouble there. St. Louis and Chicago. Like I said, Chicago's a fun team to watch. Patrick Kane is by far the best player in the hockey. You can quote me on that. You can argue with me on that. But the guy is all over the ice. Gets every goal out there. Um, I believe he had a hat trick not too long ago. He's uh, one of the top players. And definitely, if you wanted to see exciting hockey, Patrick Kane and that, and that whole Blackhawks team, they really put on a show. So definitely going to have them in that series against St. Louis. You got Anaheim taking on Nashville. Anaheim's a very solid team. I think they take care of Nashville there. San Jose versus the LA Kings. That's always going to be a fun matchup because the LA Kings, good team, got into a little bit of a stumble this year, taking on San Jose. Also, kind of in that same type of realm. I'm going to go with uh, the Kings on this one. I just feel like in a seven-game series, they have a lot more experience. San Jose is a tough team, but I like the LA Kings to take that one. And... Like I said, people check out hockey. A lot of a lot of the games are going to be on NA, uh, not NHL, but NBC networks. You know, whether it's NBC Sports Network or regular NBC, check out the games as well as the regional coverage. And oh, just follow it on NHL.tv. I'm just saying, it's a great app to check out. So uh, definitely take advantage of that. Tons of great games coming up, and just the excitement because it is playoff time, and hockey is is definitely exciting for a lot of the casual fans out there. Just to, just to really check out and get an understanding of what's going on. Um, I actually remember watching a game recently. And just the whole thing with the hat trick. And I, and I always talk to like some friends I know that are real big hockey fans. I'm still trying to understand the, the importance of losing your hat. And when I say losing, throwing away your hat when a guy gets three goals. And, you know, they call it a hat trick. supposed to throw your hat onto the ice. There's two things I see there. One... You're losing a nice hat. It could be a 30-something dollar hat, and you're just throwing it out, out on the ice to be thrown out later. I don't think they're handing them back out. And if they are, you can correct me, because I don't know. They're not going to have your name on it and say, oh, well, it was, let's give it back to row section, you know, 22, row 3, because he wanted to throw his hat on the ice because it was a hat trick. Unless you have a cheap hat you want to throw, they oh, by all means, you know, you're just throwing some hat on there. But I'm not throwing my hat that I got at Lids. And I paid top dollar for because a guy got a hat trick. He got three goals. That's me personally. Like I said, if you guys, that's how you want to do it. I'm still learning. I'm still learning. Still trying to get to understand the hockey culture fully. But that's that's one of the biggest things with it that I'm still a little bit confused of. And also, it's funny because I watch it. The people that come out have to clear up about maybe 40 hats that get thrown onto the ice. And they delayed a game a good five minutes. 
I, I always find that to be fun. That's a that's gotta be the job right there to have. Your job is to clean up the hats when they throw it on the ice for the hat trick. That is your job. How do I apply for that one? Because I think that'll be the most fun job to have in the world. It just can't be anything better than that. Also, like I said with hockey, you know, everybody knows about the fights and everything. I've watched, because I've been watching so much more this year. Some of the fights, how they just let you fight. But there's the referees kind of going to give you a little bit of slack. They're going to just, they're going to watch it. If it gets like one guy's getting beat up too much, they jump in almost like that, that, uh, that teacher in the middle of a fight in the cafeteria. They let it go a little bit, but it was like one person getting beat up too much. Uh, let me jump in. Let me break this thing up. Interesting, man. It's, it's just really, really interesting stuff. And, you know, can't be wrong with that. I mean, I know there's a lot of people that do understand it better than any, pretty much better than me, obviously. And they say all the time, it's really the culture. So if it's part of the culture, then it's fine. Once again, as always, I'm taking your phone calls. 516-900-2278. Second hour, I got plenty to really get into. We're obviously going to be talking about the NBA. We got some more golf talk with the Masters. Definitely a lot. A lot to get into. But that's fine. What we're going to do right now is step aside, take a break. You're listening to Sports Social with Ed Easton. We'll be right back.
Sports Social with Ed Easton once again here on Soundcast FM. We're still taking phone calls. Number is 516-900-2278. When we come back, we're going to have Josh Eberle on. We're going to talk plenty of NBA. So a lot of Golden State Warriors, a lot of what's going on with the playoff picture, as well as maybe even a little New York Knicks. Who knows? You never know. So much is going on right now in sports. We'll be right back. This is Sports Social with Ed Easton. Drama in the LBC It's kind of hard being Snoop D-O-double-G But I somehow, someway Keep coming up with funky-ass hits Like every single day May I kick a little something for the G's And make a few ends as I breeze through Two in the morning and the party still jumping Cause my mama ain't home I got some freaks in the living room getting it on And they ain't leaving till six in the morning So what you gonna do? I got a pocket full of rubbers and my homeboys do too So turn off the lights and close the doors But for what? We don't love them no Yeah So we gon' blow a ounce to this G's up, freeze up for a second now bounce to this Laid back With my mind on my money and my money on my mind Rolling down the street, smoking in and out Sipping on beer and pills Laid back With my mind on my money and my now money on my mind Now that I got me some secrets, yeah Everybody got their cups but they ain't chipped in Now these types of things happen all the time You gotta get yours, but fool, I gotta get mine See, everything is fine when you're listening to the D.O.G. I got the cultivating music that be captivating me Who listen to the words that I speak As I take me a drink to the middle of the street And get to Mac into this trick named Sadie She used to be my homeboy's lady 80 degrees, when I tell that trick, please Raise up all these in your teeth, cause you get none of these At ease As I mob with the dog pound, feel the breeze Say you know I'm just Laid back With my mind on my money and my money on my mind Rolling down the street Smoking in and out Sipping on gin and juice Laid back With my mind on my money and my money on my mind Later on that day My homie Dr. Dre came through with a gang of Tango Ray And a fat ass Jake Of some bubonic ET that made me choke This ain't no joke, I had to back up off a bit And sit my cup down Tango Ray and ETM toe down now But it ain't no stopping Cause I'm still popping And Dre got some tricks from the city of Compton To serve me, not for the cherry on top Cause when I get through, I got to hit the dope spot Don't get upset girl, that's just how it goes I don't love them, no, I'm off the dope And I'll be Laid back With my mind on my money and my money on my mind Rolling down the street Smoking in and out Sipping on gin and juice Laid back With my mind on my money and my money on my mind Rolling down the street Smoking in and out Sipping on gin and juice Laid back With my mind on my money and my money on my mind Rolling down the street Smoking in and out Sipping on
again. We're back, Sports Social, with Ed Easton once again here on Southcast FM. Little throwback Snoop Dogg. This is before he became family friendly. But uh, hey, can throw that on there. I like to throw a little those '90s joints in there. Some from the '80s. Just a little mix right there. Once again, five one six nine zero zero two two seven eight. We're gonna have Josh Eberle. It's gonna be calling in soon. We're gonna be talking NBA. It's gonna be a interesting postseason coming up. I'm really curious to see how it goes down in regards to just the matchups, and um, there's still a lot of question marks regarding so many teams. Besides, obviously, the Warriors and the Spurs. I think those we pretty much know what we got with those teams. But uh, is Cleveland dominant? Toronto? Yeah, they beat the Knicks yesterday, but who cares? You know, at this point. These are the, the things that we're going to really just dive into for the most part as we got a couple of games left in the season. So it's it's going to be it's going to be one of those how will teams handle the pressure? And I, I bring up Toronto a lot just because of the way they just fell apart against Washington last year during the playoffs. Are they a true top seed? Can we really put that that like that confidence in them to have them as a sure pick because really that's the uh the biggest question mark with them we know they can play we know in the regular season they've been outstanding the last couple of years but can they get out the first round when you're number two seed you're expected to at best make the you know at worst make the conference finals that's that's what they say as a number two seed but getting out of the first round should be a guarantee now, there are some matchups up there that are going to be well-discussed. And when I say well-discussed, I mean, there's going to be people if they're looking as maybe the, maybe they, they can be taken. I'm looking at the playoff picture now. And so far, it looks like it's going to be Cleveland, Detroit, maybe as a number eight seed, taking on number one. And Toronto versus Indiana is another possible two seven seed matchup. I don't know. Should be interesting to see how it goes. But we will see. Just want to make sure we got Josh on the line. Josh Eberly, are you there? I am. I am. Thanks for having me on. Hey, man. Thanks for uh, coming on the show. Uh, plenty of plenty of craziness going on in the NBA, and uh, I, you know, obviously you're the number one guy to go to uh, if you follow him on Twitter. I mean, you have every breakdown of every single game. I feel like th- you know throughout the year, and it's definitely a joy to, to follow and, and just get an understanding of it. But um, I, I, def- I have to start off with the big game from yesterday: Golden State versus San Antonio. Golden State picking up the win and tying the Bulls. What, what, what did you take from that game, or can we take anything from it? I think we can take, if nothing else, just a remarkable, remarkable season. And I know for a lot of guys, especially guys that I'm talking to on Twitter that are out there tweeting every day, they weren't alive when the 96 Bulls were doing this. I was like six years old. I don't remember mm-hmm. that. I mean, it was there. I can see it. I can look at those numbers. But to actually experience a team win this many games is something special. Definitely, definitely. And, and, you know, obviously seeing the, the way the matchup was because it was San Antonio trying to remain undefeated at home, which has never been done for a regular season, and uh, not having Tim Duncan in the game, 
is this a situation where it's like, okay, we can't really take it as a as a serious matchup as what you would see in a playoff matchup between the two because Tim Duncan didn't play and and you know you saw some of the substitution patterns like Popovich wasn't playing anybody a lot of minutes. You, you know, honestly, I wouldn't take an awful lot from the four games we got between them this year. Uh, someone was hurt on either side in almost every game. Tim Duncan wasn't really the X factor for me in this one. It was Boris Diaw. I mean, Tim Duncan has been a bit of a liability mm. against the Warriors. I don't know if he's going to play a lot of minutes against the Warriors. But e- either way, these are teams that are scheming. They know this doesn't mean anything in the long run for the playoffs. Clay Thompson, some things that you can take away, has looked awful against mm-hmm. the Spurs in four games this season. Tony Parker has looked awful against the Warriors in four games this season. So those are things you can keep an eye on if we do get a playoff series. Okay, and just like obviously going back into the Warriors, Steph Curry, I think we can unanimously say he's going to be the MVP again this season. I think that's fair to put that out there. Yeah, absolutely. You know, just seeing his um, progression and obviously all the three-point shots being made, is there going to be any type of like defense that you can see any team like matching up against him that could actually shut him down? Because at this point, I haven't seen anything that could stop the guy from getting 30 points a game besides maybe himself. Yeah, you know, I mean, there there are going to be, even with Steph Curry, even with, I mean, the most magical shooting season we've ever seen, and I don't feel it's a stretch to say that. You know, a guy that's on, on track to lead the league in true shooting percentage and points per game for the first time since the 70s. I mean, Steph Curry is doing phenomenal, phenomenal things. There are still going to be off-shooting nights, and it's how do you make those uh, a more likely situation when you play the Warriors. How are you going to get him out of his funk? And I think a lot of that comes from pressuring him as soon as he gets the ball up the court and slowing the game down. Don't let Steph get the, the long ball rebound and fire it up eight, point, eight feet behind the three-point line because the Warriors really roll on that momentum. And as soon as you let him hit that first one, you know that he's locked and loaded and going to keep shooting. Right, right. And obviously we know there are going to be locks probably for the conference title, I mean, for the conference championship game, I should say. But just looking at the rest of the playoff picture, the East is pretty much wrapped up with the eight teams. I think there's probably some movements maybe with the uh, seeding. Who do you feel like out of the East? Is it going to be Cleveland again? Um, Is Toronto probably ready to make that jump? You know, as as much as you want to, I think everyone wants to see another contender out East because Cleveland, we've had them all from the start of the year. You know, they haven't been a team that, you know, they've won more games this year than they did last year. Like, the Cleveland Cavaliers are a very good basketball team, but they're not historic in a year where we have two historic teams out west. And we've kind of seen LeBron James do this a bunch of years in a row where he's carried a really good team in the regular season that hasn't really blown you away and gone to the finals. I think we want to believe there's someone who can challenge them, but I don't really see it. I mean, for as great as the Hawks have played of late, they got killed in the conference finals last year. As great as the Raptors have been, I don't think Lowry's 100%. We've never seen them get past the first round. There's just a lot of question marks in the East outside of Cleveland. Right, right. And just even the emergence of Boston, because in my opinion, I have them as a sleeper to make it at least to the conference title game just because of the way they play not only Golden State, but they just play teams. They just seem like a tough out for anybody in a seven-game series. Yeah, the thing with Boston and I, and I hate to say, I, this is Stone Age thinking, and, and, and I regret already talking about it, but there's something to be said, forgive me for this media talk, the guy. Hmm. And, and I know Isaiah Thomas has come a long way, and he was an all-star this year, but if Isaiah Thomas is, in your, best, is your best player against LeBron James in the conference finals, in the semifinals, 
I don't know. I, I, honestly, the one team that really – the only team that I think gives Cleveland a run for their money is Miami because it's so damn personal. Right. And that's that's going to be interesting. It's going to be seeing that, just that matchup itself. Uh, the Western Conference, I think everybody in the world is penciled in Golden State-San Antonio. Any other teams that can surprise you? Is Oklahoma City ready? Because I feel like they've always had the problem in that fourth quarter when it's crunch time in a, in a close game. Do you think they have that figured out by playoff time? I don't, I don't know. I don't, I don't know if anybody knows. I don't know if Westbrook knows, Durant knows. <laughs> that fourth quarter problem, it's not a narrative. I mean, people, it is not a narrative. The Thunder milk. The Thunder become a spring dew in the fourth <laughs> quarter. I don't, I, it's a problem. But don't pencil in Warriors and Spurs yet because as, as much as it's a problem, the Thunder's main problem has been injuries in the postseason the last few years. As of this moment, knock on wood, we've got Westbrook healthy, we've got Durant healthy, we've got Ibaka healthy. That's something to take account. And also the Clippers. I mean, I know Blake Griffin's not 100%, but I looked into this in an article a couple weeks ago. Nobody wins, nobody in history has won as many games as they have over a three- or four-year period and not made the conference finals. I mean, they, they could just be a historically good team that doesn't go anywhere in the playoffs, and that would fit the Chris Paul narrative perfectly. However, you know, history tells us they got to break through at some point. So don't pencil it in quite yet. The Western Conference playoffs should be interesting. Right, and obviously, like, not all the uh... – there's still one team hanging around, the Houston Rockets. They probably will be eliminated tonight, you know, considering how everything is going throughout the season. We're going to actually we're going to switch it a little bit and talk about the teams that are disappointing. What happened with the Rockets? I just For a team that made the conference finals last year, they had the big names of Dwight Howard. They have uh, James Harden. What went wrong with this team? Well, what didn't go wrong with this team? <laughs> I mean, this is... This is a team that went to the conference finals. And, I mean, let's start, let's backtrack all the way back to last year. The Clippers go up against this Rockets team in the semifinals. They go up a game without Chris Paul in the lineup. Everything seems to be going right for the Rockets. Josh Smith, who's the most criticized player in the Twittersphere, goes off for the Rockets. They lose in the conference finals. They pick up Ty Lawson. I mean, things seem to be going their way. I mean, this is what they envisioned when they signed, signed James Harden as their guy. And then we get narrative after narrative, story mm-hmm. after story, James Harden wants his coach fired. James Harden and Dwight Howard try to trade each other. They sit at different tables than me. I mean, there is so much going on behind the scenes that may or may not be true. We don't even know anymore because it's mm. so easy to sell them as dysfunctional. They trade Ty Lawson. Harden puts up these massive games that are still not winning. I don't even know how to diagnose it. It's like when you walk into the doctor's office with a broken leg, scratched up eye, <laughs> and pneumonia. They don't even know what drugs to give you. It's uh, Actually, that's probably the best way to break down the Rockets' season um, you know, obviously started from just firing Kevin McHale only about, what, 10 games into the season? So, uh, yeah, it's a whole question mark with their GM. It's, it's a mess in Houston right now, and I think they're, they're probably going to get eliminated today or tomorrow. So we'll see how those games um, wrap up. Now, I do have to talk about another two other disappointing teams. The Chicago Bulls, they obviously got eliminated last night. What happened with this team? I, I had them, obviously, in the playoffs in the beginning of the season, where where was the fall off? Is it with the coaching with Hoiberg, or is it Jimmy Butler and, and Derrick Rose? Like, where what happened with that team? Uh, I think this team fell fell off as soon as they got rid of Uncle Tom. I mean, mm. I don't I, I don't know the exact quote. I, I'm, I'm paraphrasing here, but the quote came out. I forgot who reported it out from Chicago that Hoiberg said things had gone downhill for them since Jimmy Butler questioned Hoiberg's uh, leadership more or less earlier in the season, and I just found it, thought it was hilarious that Hoiberg, 
who's been known as soft, who's gone easy on his players all year when things have really got crappy, has decided to comment on that rather than early in the season when things could have been changed. Hmm. The Chicago team has had a ton of injuries, a ton of problems over the last few years. They really had a chance last year. They had a window. Things didn't work out. They fired their coach. They made him a scapegoat, and I think they're going to regret that for some time. Wow. Is Derrick Rose a bull next year, in your opinion, yes or no? If they want to be a successful franchise, I would say no. Mm. As to whether he's going to move or not, I haven't heard anything specifically. Wow. Okay. The uh, last team that I put on a disappointing list, and I pretty much put them every year except for that one year, uh, the New York Knicks, and I'm a Knicks fan. So many question marks there. Who's the head coach? Is Phil Jackson going to stay? What is your opinion with the Knicks in this season? When the Knicks don't win a lot of games and they don't win a lot of games, you got to create something to talk about. And I I don't know how much of everything we've heard about Phil Jackson is or isn't true, who's going to be the coach. That Those are all decisions that are pending and they're coming. I think if you're a Knicks fan, you honestly shouldn't be that disappointed this season. I mean, you did improve. Uh, there's lots of negative things that you can talk about with this Knicks team. I don't think Carmelo Anthony is ever going to be the best player on a title team. I don't think that his contract is warranted. I don't think he is doing the best thing for himself by being in New York, and I don't think New York's doing the best thing for them by having him there. That being said, your team got better, and you're a basement team, and you got a little bit better. I mean, you drafted well. There's no complaints, I don't think, about Porzingis. you got to take some I, – I know that Knicks fans are hungry, and they're really hoping for the massive turnaround, but you, you had some progress this year. I, I would take some pride in that. Okay, that's that's actually making me feel a little bit better about the situation, knowing that, you know, obviously we got Porzingis. There's obviously some type of, uh, I could say, a window of opportunity in the future for us because we have a young, great player, but that's that's good to hear. So, um, Josh, is there any, like, any, any of your publications that you want to promote or let people know where they can find you? Yeah, absolutely. I uh, appreciate that. We, I, You know, I write for everywhere, free agent kind mm-hmm. of thing. I write for everyone. Hoopmag.com, uh, it's the NBA's uh, in-house magazine. I write for them. Hoops have it. People all write down today's fast break. Throw me a follow on Twitter, and thanks for having me on the show. Hey, thank you, man, and um, have a good one. And hopefully we'll have a great playoff series, and maybe we'll check in again. I hope so. Definitely, man. Have a good one. You too. Take care. Once again, that was Josh Eberle. And that guy, like I said, he's the ultimate free agent NBA writer. The guy has all the information. If you follow him on Twitter, you see some great stuff. The guy breaks down stats for stats at the stat. And for NBA and sports junkie that I am, that's just he's just a great follow. So definitely follow him on that. And um, all the different publications he's a part of because he, trust me, he's everywhere. You will definitely find his name anywhere when, it, when you're going to have good NBA news. You're going to have Josh Eberle on there. So... Thank you once again for uh, coming on the show. Now, I got to go back on my soapbox about the Knicks. And I I, I said I wasn't going to do this. I I had some people comment to me over the weekend after they heard my show last week when I I just went in on the Knicks. I shared my frustration that not, and I'm not the only one that shares this frustration just regards to how they handle all the different personnel changes, you know, it's Phil Jackson and Guy is just, it's, it's so much in regards to that. But Josh brought up a good point. He said, you know, it's a young team. They did get better. Yes, the, the wins are, are up there a little bit more from last year. But it's hard for me to compare last year just because they were tanking for a good part of it. But we got Porzingis. 
gotta you gotta feel optimistic when you have a guy like Kristaps Porzingis that yes he can be the foundation for a new franchise well not really a new franchise but for a franchise to really break into to winning get to have that new feeling of this is our next step and I feel like that with Porzingis I want to give Phil all the credit in the world for that but it's hard when that whole Kurt Rambis situation just just it just keeps throwing at you if he's going to be the new head coach I, I just don't think the guys earned it I'm sorry I, I just don't see how Kurt Rambis is our head coach next year doesn't make any sense I'm not saying go straight to Patrick Ewan or even Mark Jackson but there's got to be other options out there Thibodeau is the guy that I would like to have but he will not play the style of offense that a guy like Phil Jackson would want and that's what scares me. Scares me a lot. But that's the Knicks right there. That is the biggest question mark in regards to them. And, you know, we got to deal with it. Now, I was looking at this chart. And actually, Lincoln Ricketts, who uh, constantly calls into the show and gives his opinions on what's going on, is he... He actually tweeted. It's it's funny. He tweeted out this whole thing about an infographic about the in, in how the um, 15 most watched games of 20 of the 2015-2016 season, and the most watched game so far through April 7th. Keep that in mind through April 7th, the Cavaliers and Warriors, and that was the game on Christmas Day, had 11.7 million people watching. Also, Bulls Thunder came in second, 5.85 million. It's it's interesting. Those are the top two games. And Warriors Thunder. The Thunder are still an easy sell because you have the guys. You have Durant. You have Westbrook. They're fun guys. Bulls and Cavaliers, Spurs, Rockets. Those games, it's funny. The Spurs and Rockets still got a lot of people watching on Christmas Day. And Christmas Day games are always going to have people watching because the NBA is the only thing on Christmas Day. It basically owned the day. So I expect the, the uh, ratings to be up for that. And uh, this is from SportsMediaWatch.com. So they're the ones that took this, this breakdown and actually reported these numbers out here. No Knicks games on there. Just a surprise. But, uh... Just a lot of Warriors, a lot of Cavaliers, some Laker games on there. It's funny, that game between the Warriors and Lakers, where the Lakers actually beat them, got 3.72 million households watching to see Kobe versus Steph Curry for the last time. And that was the one that the Lakers came back and won. That was the biggest defeat. I think it was the biggest defeat. I think that's, it's, it's funny when you hear that. It's like, it's incredible. Just incredible. But once again, taking your taking your calls, 516-900-2278. I'm gonna lay off. I said I was gonna lay off the Knicks, and I'm gonna try to, but I'm I'm just an impatient Knicks fan right now that you know we're tired of not winning. Point blank period, just tired of not winning. And when the winning happens, it makes Everybody happier. Let's put it in perspective. There's no uh, 
There's no question mark to that. But hey, it's what it's all about. Hopefully there is a, uh, a growth with the team. Phil Jackson figures things out. I'm obviously going to be reporting every news that happens is we get it because we may hear him leaving. We may hear him actually bringing in a coach that people agree with. So it's, uh, it's going to be a process. That is the best way I'm going to uh, break that down. But once again, 516-900-2278. I don't know why I skipped on the 2278. I try to be fancy, but I'm just going to give it to you individually. That's how it's going to go. But like I said, we keep the calls coming. And um, when we come back, we're going to get into that Masters, that big debacle with Jordan Spieth. He just gave up the Masters, man, in the 12th, the 12th hole, that infamous 12th hole now. The quadruple bogey 12th hole. It's going to be definitely discussed. Danny Willett is the champion. Just a whole lot going on with golf and that Masters. We'll have Ryan Ballinger calling up. And I definitely give him a lot of credit for calling in. And um, we'll definitely discuss why, because he has a lot going on. And he definitely wanted to spend time to, to speak about this here on the show. And it's much appreciated, as, as with Josh, I believe, just for spending time on the show. It's Monday. It's a busy day for everybody. But we'll be right back. This is Sports Social with Ed Easton. We keep the tunes going. This album is dedicated to all the teachers that told me I never amount to nothing. To all the people that lived above the buildings that I was hustling from that called the police on me when I was just trying to make some money to feed my daughter. And all the struggle, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> it's all good, baby, baby. Uh. It was all a dream. I used to read Word Up magazine. Salt and pepper and heavy D up in the limousine. Hanging pictures on my wall. Every Saturday, rap attack Mr. Magic Molly Mall. I let my tape rock till my tape pop. Sipping on private stock way back when I had the red and black lumberjack with the hat to match. Remember rapping Duke? The hard, the hard. You never thought that hip hop would take it this far. Now I'm in the limelight cause I rhyme tight. Time to get paid, blow up like the world's trade. Born sinner, the opposite of a winner. Remember when I used to eat sardines for dinner? Peace to Raw G, Brucey B, Kid Capri. Funk, Master Flex, Love Bug, Star Skeets. I'm blowing up like you thought I would. Call a crib, same number, same hood. It's all good. Uh. And if you don't know, now you know. Uh. Personal with Robin Leach, and I'm far from cheap with my peeps all day. Spread love, it's the Brooklyn way. The Moet and Alize keep me pissy. Girls used to diss me, now they write letters cause they miss me. I never thought it could happen, this rapping stuff. I was too used to packing gats and stuff. Now honeys play me close like butter play coat. From the Mississippi down to the East Coast. Condos and Queens in for weeks. Sold out seats to hear Biggie Small speak. 
living life without fear Putting five carrots in my baby girl ear Lunches, brunches, interviews by the pool Considered a fool cause I dropped out of high school Stereotypes of a black male misunderstood And it's still all good, uh And if you don't know, now you know Genesis. When I was dead broke, man, I couldn't picture this 50-inch screen, money green, leather sofa Got two rides, a limousine with the chauffeur Phone bill about 2 G's flat No need to worry, my accountant handles that And my whole crew is lounging Celebrating every day, no more public housing Thinking back on my one-room shack Now my mom pimps a act with minks on the back And she loves to show me off, of course Smiles every time my face is up in the sauce We used to fuss when the landlord dissed us No heat, wonder why Christmas missed us Birthdays was the worst days Now we sip champagne when we thirsty uh, Damn right I like the life I live Cause I went from negative to positive And it's all And if you don't know, now you know uh. And if you don't know, now you know And if you don't know, now you know Representing B-Town in the house Junior Mafia, Mass Label Sports social. Sorry for the cold break like that, but you know, it happens. Once again, this is Sports Social with Ed Easton here on Soundcast FM 516-900-2278. Uh, we're waiting for Ryan Ballinger. He's going to call in. We're going to discuss what happened with Jordan Spieth at the uh, Masters yesterday. He, he just fell apart at the 12th hole and, you know, it, it cost him. Cost him a green jacket. Danny Willett taking it, winning his first major, his first career major. I mean, Jordan Spieth had a five-stroke lead, people. But anybody that follows golf, that's a big deal. Especially going into, in the Masters, everybody's watching the Masters. Any major itself, any tournament itself, it's about as big a, uh, you know, uh, I don't know, big a drop-off as you can say. So, uh, Definitely need to figure out where is what's his next plan. Also, want to know what's going on with Tiger Woods. When are we gonna see Tiger back on the field? If we do ever see him back on the green, I should say. Those are the questions. Um, I'll take this time honestly to give everybody a quick update. Keepingrealsports.com will be back, and I'm gonna to get to that a little bit later because we have our call here on the line. 
Okay, and we have our call on the line, Ryan Bollinger. Ryan, are you there? I am. Hey, Ryan, how's it going, man? Good, how are you? Doing really good. Um, Ryan is a writer for uh, Yahoo Sports. And Ryan, I know you have a lot going on right now um, personally, and I don't want to take up too much of your time. But uh, I do want to talk about what's going on with the Masters. What were your thoughts of the Masters this year? Well, the Masters always delivers, and it's delivered again this year, although in a way that I don't think any of us really saw coming from Jordan Spieth. I mean, when you, when you see him go to the 10th tee, five up with nine to play, you, you pretty much figure, like in most cases, it's kind of over. And uh, he uh, bogeyed 10 and 11, which I, I think he kind of built into his plan, into his thinking that he could have dropped a shot. It's definitely at 11. That, you know, that, that's not really losing anything to the field. And he could have dropped one at 10. It wouldn't have been that big of a deal. But then for what happened at number 12 to have happened, uh, that'll be something that lives forever in Masters infamy, unfortunately. Yeah, and it's interesting because for a guy that's as good as he is, and he's never really had a collapse of this close to this nature before, what had to be like going through his mind or or just in general? Because it was kind of unprecedented for me to see a guy in back-to-back holes and then obviously that, that crazy 12-hole to go through a quadruple bogey, like what was probably what do you think caused this type of problem? I, I think as he's going to the the twelfth tee, he's figuring he's got a tough shot ahead of him, but he knows what kind of shot is appropriate for the whole location. Yesterday, back right, you know, you want to hit a cut over the front front bunker, you know, the, the six o'clock bunker, not a very deep green. You also want to cut off as much as possible the amount of time that you have to have your ball over Ray's Creek. So by taking that route going left to right, you spend less time with your ball over the creek, or at least that's the idea. Unfortunately, he didn't execute the shot as well as he had hoped, really very well at all. And it just kind of didn't work out for him. And I think at that point, his mind started to race, and, and what typically works so well for him, his course management, his thinking, kind of betrayed him a little bit. He, he kind of overthought it. I think the proper play from where he was was simply to re-tee the ball and just get it over the water any way possible, even if you put it in the woods, any way possible. And instead, he decided against the drop zone, which was a good good choice, but he also decided instead to try to keep the ball between himself where and where it went in the, the hazard and the pin and try to hit an 80-yard shot on a part of the course that hardly anyone uses, a little bit mushier than most people expect. And it's just not an angle most people consider. And then the result was turning over some side, and then all of a sudden it was a quadruple bogey, and things were pretty much out of hand. It's it's crazy to think. Now, how do you think this will affect them moving forward? I mean, you had a five-stroke lead in this tournament. How do you think this, this is going to affect them going into the next major, or is this something where he could just, like, you know, forget about it and move on quickly? I don't know if you ever forget about the ones that you don't have. I mean, I... All of us personally remember all the things that we failed at and maybe didn't work out. But I think that this isn't anything necessarily all that new for Jordan Spieth. If you think about last summer, he won the Masters, he won the U.S. Open, great victory. And then at the Open Championship, he had the lead with on the 71st tee. I mean, he had a mm. chance to win the golf tournament and win three-fourths of the Grand Slam. First guy to win three in a row to start a calendar year since Ben Hogan 50 years ago, or 53, two years ago at the time. And hey, Ryan, you still there? Oh, did we lose Ryan? If he gets into the final group with with Jason Day, and no matter what he does, no matter the kind of golf that he plays, no matter 
what what happens. He can't seem to get any closer to Jason Day and loses out on an opportunity there. So, yeah, this loss is bigger on a grand scale because it's going to go down at Masters Infamy. There were a lot of historical things on the line here for speed. But I think that the losses just kind of pile up over time. They mean one thing, and then they mean another, and then they mean another. So the question is, can he kind of take away the positives from the last five major championships where he is one, one, tied for fourth, second place, and tied for second place? Or does he think that he let three get away instead of the two that he won? Okay, so everybody seems to, you know, obviously focus on Jordan Spieth and his collapse. What about the actual win from Danny Willett? Is there anything that can be taken from that, or is it more like he got he was in the right place at the right time? Is he the type of golfer where you feel like he could win another major, or is he just like a one-time type of deal? He has the game to win multiple majors. He, he certainly does. I mean, he was the 12th-ranked golfer in the world coming into this, and, and not a whole lot of people in this country knew him because he plays almost exclusively on the European Tour, but he won earlier this year. He won in Dubai, won a golf course, kind of like Augusta Net a lot of risk-reward. In this sense, I mean, when someone drops a green jacket, you put it on, and that kind of happened to Danny Willett in that he only led the golf tournament for three holes. It just happened to be the last three that he played. He played them pretty brilliantly. Mm-hmm. For him to play the final 21 holes, bogey-free is an accomplishment at Augusta National. For him to shoot bogey-free 67, like Nick Faldo did 20 years ago when he beat a collapsing Greg Norman, that is certainly something to take away from it. But if you look back at the history of the sport and you look at the big Masters collapses, 56, 86, 96, you look at others in major championships, the guy that won, the guy that was the beneficiary of those major collapses, tends not to win another major championship. So if anything is working against Danny Willett, who, again, is an extremely talented player, is that the track record of those guys who back into majors, in a sense, is that they've spent the rest of their careers trying to prove that they didn't back into one and that they can leap into one on their own. Definitely understand that. And um, real quick, Tom Watson, this was his final his final Masters. What did um, what did we take from that, this being like his final go-around, like in terms of his career? I mean, he's an eight-time major champion. He's the greatest British Open player in the history of, of the tournament, in my opinion. The two-time Masters winner. And still, in some sense, he underachieved. He could have won mm. 10 or 12 major championships that he not got the putting yips which he got over remarkably. He's one of the few people in the history of the game that have gotten over the putting yips without going to a, a weird grip or a long putter or a belly putter or anything like that. His longevity is incredible. I mean, to, to have nearly won the Open Championship at 59 was pretty amazing. And he still can make cuts on the PGA Tour from time to time. There, there aren't that many people in the history of the sport short of Sam Steen that have been as good or as long as Tom Watson. So it's sad to see him go off in major championship play, retiring from the Masters as well, last major start. But hats off to him on an incredible career, and um, he got the proper set off. Definitely did. And, uh, Ryan, I do, I do want to ask the, uh, the last question, because uh, it's always um, going to be a question out there in regards to his status. Tiger Woods, what do you think of him? Is, when is he coming back? And if when he and, and if he comes back, I should say, is he going to be even close to the player he used to be? I don't think he'll ever be the player he once was. I think he's a forty-year-old guy with three back surgeries, a ton of knee surgeries, as the body of a fifty-three-year-old guy. So mm-hmm. for him to come back and do anything of importance, of relevance, it's going to be.
be on a limited scale on a limited basis on a limited schedule. His agent, Mark Steinberg, said the week of the tournament, you know, the kind of days after he let everyone know he's going to play in the Masters, that we should expect to see Tiger play competitively this year. When that is, we don't know. Obviously, it's between now and sometime in December. Uh, it could very well be his Euro World Challenge in the Bahamas in December, just give himself an exemption, a chance to play again. But I, I would take a chance that he plays in at least one major championship this year at this point. What that looks like, how competitive he is, I mean, that's anyone's guess at this point. But he's basically starting from scratch again, and he's going to have to do it with a pretty beat-up body. So whatever style of golf he plays going forward is not going to resemble the guy that we want to do at any point in his career. Definitely understand. And, um, Ryan, are there any uh, links or uh, publications you would like to promote? Yeah, sure. I own another website in addition to the Yahoo Sports I write for called Golf News Net, and our website is golfnewsnet.com. You can reach us there. Definitely. And, um, Ryan, thank you for taking the time. And um, congratulations to you and your wife. And um, thank you. just thank you once again uh, for taking the time. I know you have a lot going on, man. My pleasure. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. Have a good one. You too. Again, that was uh, that was Ryan Bollinger, and you know he, he definitely, like I said, the guy spends. You know he uh, has a personal matter that he's dealing with, and it's a it's a good it's a good thing. And like I said, I don't want to give his information away, but um, you know, congratulations to him, and uh, the fact that he actually took the time to speak to speak with me regarding golf and what was going on in the Masters. I just feel like very professional, very classy guy. Much appreciated. But uh, Jordan Spieth, man, 12th hole, you have a five, when you have a five-stroke lead in a, not just anything, I understand any type of tournament, then you have the majors, but in the Masters tournament, a 12-stroke lead. My goodness, that's, that's rough, and that's a tough one to come back from. Uh, I do like the fact that, you know, he gave us more detail in regards to, like, Tom Watson, how much he meant to the sport of golf and how great he has been his entire career saying goodbye to him is going to be different for people um it's it's one of those situations where uh all the legends are retiring this year it feels like from basketball to football to hockey to baseball to golf everybody's this is it so watson will definitely be missed on the green um, we don't know what Tiger Woods is. He going to be the same guy? As Ryan was saying, I agree with him. He's not going to be close to the same guy. But uh, him just being an older guy, just having to deal with all the different surgeries and the the back pains, and I don't know. We saw the best of Tiger Woods early. He's. Not, I don't think he's going to break that record for majors. As much as easy as we thought it was going to be, so easy. It's just not going to happen. But, uh, hey, you got to give Tiger Woods his credit. The guy revolutionized the game for his time. Brought a lot of new people, a lot of new faces to the game. That's going to be his legacy. If he is going to not go back to that form, but they said he's going to come back this year. And I, I feel like that's the, that's going to lead to our real um, determination if Tiger Woods is an elite player still in the game of golf. Is he going to be up there with the Jordan Spieths, the Rory McIlroys? That's the question. Or his time has officially, uh, is his time officially, officially passed? That's the, uh, that's the thought now, too. I want to thank Ryan once again, Josh Eberle, for calling in. 
and for you guys for listening it's a great show today definitely got a lot of different views on what's going on and not bad for a monday everybody says they hate mondays you know they got the old garfield line you know we hate mondays you know but it's, it's okay definitely enjoyed today's show and we'll enjoy even more tomorrow because we'll be back once again same time same station soundcast fm this is sports social with ed easton we're gonna call it a day and be back tomorrow once again on soundcast fm everybody have a good one No changes. Wake up in the morning and I ask myself, is life worth living? Should I blast myself? I'm tired of being poor and even worse, I'm black. My stomach hurts, so I'm looking for a purse to snatch. Cops give a damn about a need, bro. Pull a trigger, killing he's a heat, bro. Get it to the kids who the hell cares. One less hungry mouth on the welfare. First ship them, don't let them deal with brothers. Give them guns, step back, watch them kill each other. It's time to fight back, that's what Huey said. Two shots in the dark, now Huey's dead. I got love for my brothers, but we can never go nowhere unless we share with
your mobile phone But telecoms can't touch this I don't trust this When they try to rush, I bust this That's the sound number two You say it ain't cool My mama didn't raise no fool And as long as I stay black I gotta stay strapped And I never get to lay back Cause I always gotta worry about the payback Some buck that I roughed up way back Coming back after all these years that's the way it is. Uh. That's just the way it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Things, Things will never be the same. That's just the way it is. Just the way it is, oh yeah. Some things will never change.